Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Challenging Trades. This is your host, Christopher Aberrod. And this is Drew. All right. Wonderful. Uh, again, uh, my name is Chris. I am the uh, co-founder and partner at ATM Crypto Coin. Sorry, I lost mm-hmm. my train of thought there mm-hmm. for a minute. Mm-hmm. But it is mm-hmm. still the best and easiest way to buy cryptocurrency with cash in Massachusetts. Wanted to talk to you today. Today is 129 2022 at 2.53 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And 11.54 a.m. Pacific Time. Awesome. We were off the air for about a week there. We took a little bit of a gap. Drew was on vacation, and I just didn't have the heart to not include him in the show. So he is now well-rested from Hawaii. How was that trip? It was amazing. Yeah, I definitely um, recommend going to Hawaii during a snowstorm in the (laughs) East Coast as much as you can. Uh, I know Chris is calling from the North Pole right now. Uh, Yeah, Uh, it's looking pretty uh, Santa's village out here right now. How how many inches are you at? We are looking at a record setter here in Boston of about 24 inches by the end of the day minimum. Wow. Did not snow that much in Hawaii. So thanks for asking. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) moving on. So while you were gone, we had some craziness in the market. And before we begin today, I just want to remind you that Challenging Trades is a news and opinion source. We do not provide any investment advice. We have an agenda for you today. We're going to talk about our trade challenge. We are going to be talking about the week in review and what a week it was. Also, on top of that, instead of one big topic, we've got two big topics. They're going to kind of play into each other here. And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity to discuss what's coming uh, and why we are in the state that we're in. Um, And we're going to be doing a little bit of a transition at the end today with the uh, funny story. We're kind of going to be shifting a little bit to crypto news. We know a lot of investors have money in crypto, so it would be a good idea for us to continue to have some information there on a weekly basis that would help you make a, a little bit more intelligent of a move as crypto continues to evolve and mature. And then we will wrap it up the way we always do talking about what we expect to happen in the next week, probably getting it wrong and going from there. So sounds like a great agenda, Chris. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to discussing some of these fun things that are going on in the economy. Now, a lot of big news that just happened. Uh, there's a lot of big news that just happened and I want you to kick it off, man. Uh, tell me what you saw happen while you were on vacation in Hawaii and getting a very biased view of the world. <laughs> well, I didn't really check the market other than the beginning and the end of the day and then forgot about it the following day. Because as we all know, looking at this, what happened over the last couple of weeks here has been a continuation of the same pattern we've been seeing since pretty much November last year. Uh, two to three months of just pure pain and panic and a lot of fear going on. Um, we did see some blips of hope here and there. You could call them bull traps. Uh, we had maybe two or three days in a row where we'd see the indexes plunge over, over a percentage point and maybe one day where everything kind of went up like the good old days. Um, that wasn't just last week, but it was the week before. Kind of continued that trend the inflation numbers didn't really help. Uh, the, the the comments from the Fed uh, on Wednesday at the um, at the meeting didn't really. I mean, it provided a little bit more clarity, but it didn't do too much to help the market. We did get some good news though uh, along the GDP uh, going up. I think five five point nine percent, which is the highest jump in since the early eighties. Much like inflation, we're seeing some new um, some some things that are happening with growth uh, and inflation that we haven't seen for many, many decades, certainly not with this generation of retail investors, which Mm -hmm. we'll get into. Um, And just overall um, we're seeing things that were undervalued now go to, to really undervalued, particularly in XBI. And we'll get to the uh, challenging trades. Do you think, do you think that they're too undervalued at this point, right? That's where I'm starting to skew my opinion on some things in particular, not everything, but do you think that some things are getting hit too hard? I think things are getting hit too hard, even across these, uh, uh, growth industries. Absolutely. I think we're, we're at unprecedented times. Oh, um, come on. Don't lean on that. We are, I think but well, we are, I, I it, mean, is, it, is, it is unprecedented, right? Like this is ridiculous what we're seeing here in terms of inflation, in terms of the way the market's moving, it's hard to predict, but like, what do you think, you know, is, do you have any idea on, on, on any particular company or ETF or fund that has been hit a little bit too hard? Well, I can tell you just, 
I mean, the trade challenge we did today, both of our indexes uh, for the month uh, are down incredibly, right? They're both ETFs, ETFs Bit, Bitto and XBI are down. And we could, I don't know if you want to get into this now about me actually conceding to you, uh, Chris, oh, for our first alert. Ch- challenging trades trade challenge. Uh, I, I did not succeed. In fact, I think we both lost, but. We, we both lost, but I lost less. So um, we'll just kind of jump in the middle of the news segment here and we'll talk about the trade challenge. We'll issue the next trade challenge and then I'll do my half of the news. So our trade challenge, for those that are still uninitiated to the show, we issue each other a challenge for a month, a month long period. This was from the beginning of the year to basically January 31st, but we're going to cut it here. And what we're seeing is the two that we've chosen. So XBI is Drew's pick. It's an ETF uh, based in biotech. And mine was a futures ETF in crypto, BITO, B-I-T-O. So at the time that Drew issued this challenge, which was totally blindsiding me, um, BITO is uh, sitting at $28.92 on December 31st at market close. XBI was sitting at $119.94 at market close. Both of them have plummeted tragically. So at the end of the day, BITO closed out yesterday at $23.81 and XBI closed out at $88.78, which is a loss for Drew's pick of 20.7% and a loss for Beto, my pick of 17.7%. So for the first trade challenge, I am declared the victor. And, you know, with that, I'm going to try not to look smug, but I do, and I can't help it, but I can only look so smug because both of them lost an extraordinary amount of money. Both of them went down in value nearly of a fifth of what they have in terms of market ca- market value. Um, so with that being said, although I won, um, I lost. So that was, that was nice. Uh, we got a little bit of a guest visitor today. That's Zakari. Uh, it, it was actually my sound effects library that I'm trying to work on here. I like that. That's awesome. I thought that was your child. Um, okay. So I, I was trying to find the right, uh, sounds to emote my, uh, yeah. my loss here, but also kind of just looking at a way where I could, I could really personify the fact that the one month that I, I, I decided to challenge Chris was the one month in 160 i just did the calculation 160 months it was the lowest month out of 160 months i could have done this <laughs> so Drew there's literally a, a one Drew in 160 drew knows how to pick them like, uh, you know and uh, uh, let me just reiterate for everybody here challenging trades does not provide any financial advice and um <laughs> and that is why <laughs> so with that being said let's go right into our next trade challenge we are going to be starting this trade challenge from 129 today and we're going to run it through the end of february which should be a period of about 30 days so i am issuing the challenge this time to drew and we are not challenge picking, accepted and we are not picking etfs <laughs> we are picking stocks we are picking individual companies that we believe maybe undervalued maybe have taken a maybe hard, maybe not taken too hard of a hit or maybe have some really good news on the horizon and can really bolster uh their own financials and move forward in a positive light so we're trying not to end this one on a negative 20 percent. that'd be great we'll actually try to end it with positive returns and let's see how that works but my choice for company that drum, i'm we need like a drum thing here is I like it. Is Fisker a space wobble? I'm gonna I'm gonna issue you Fisker. I think Fisker has some good news on the horizon. They've been putting out new models. Their pre-orders are very high. Currently, are sitting around twenty three thousand pre-orders for their new vehicle. I know this is an EV car play, which I have bashed in the past, but the market has also bashed EVs, and because of that, I think we are looking at a turnaround. So I'm gonna go with Fisker. All right, Fisker. Put it on the board. Challenging. Fisker is my candidate, my, how should I say, champion in the arena, which I'm pulling straight out of XBI because I still think that it's going to do well, which is one of the reasons why I'm never going to see positive returns again. But I want to bring out Ionis Pharmaceuticals to the challenge. And Ionis is some a company that uh, works in rare, uh, rare diseases. And they have some positive, they have some cash flow coming in. Their market cap is highly, highly 
uh, discounted. So I feel like we've opened up a floor for them. They've been showing some relative strength recently, and I'm not really a technicals guy, but I'll take a look at it. Uh, another reason I like it is because Kathy Wood has been selling her position in this company. Ooh, Kathy and, Wood. <laughs> and I think that whatever, she, I want to do whatever the opposite of what she does right now and just feel like that it could be a, could be a good a good plan. You used uh, to love Kathy Wood, though. Let's just be honest with each other. You were a big fan for quite some I, time. I'm still a big fan. I think that I feel like she's just been un, unfortunately getting hammered by Mr. Market right now because uh, you know, she was being praised like a goddess last year. And now she's being shunned. Well, were we all being uh, praised like, like gods last year? I mean, last uh, year, everybody was, you know, everybody was a, the best trader they've ever known. Last year, maybe the first half of the year. And what, you but... know what? We're going to talk about that actually is going to play really well into our next to- uh, the topic later yeah, on. It is going to play uh, by the well. way. So there you go. So by the way, it. Ions or Ionis Pharmaceuticals is currently seeing a buy signal of around 52.4% based on what I'm seeing. And Fisker mm. is currently seeing a buy signal as well. So we both picked ones that the market likes. And Fisker seeing a buy signal of 58.3% based on analytics. So on, uh, which source is that? I'm using Robinhood because it's really easy to just get Robinhood. that information. Okay. Okay, there. Cool. Um, all right. So moving on, I'm going to give you a quick 60 second news clip on what I've seen in the market. And we are going to go right into our two big topics of the week, which will be pretty fun to talk about. I think we just we have some information here that may not spell doom and gloom forever uh, and give you some perspective on what we're looking at. Anyway, so in regards to this week, we had the Fed meeting, which was insane. It caused some really big downturns and a lot of correction after the fact. We definitely had like a knee jerk reaction to Wednesday's meeting at 2.30. Before that, I was making quite a bit of money. And after that, I wasn't. Um, they mentioned that they were going to move swiftly and humbly, not my words, theirs. And because of that, the market took that to mean Fed rate hikes. They didn't specify three or four, which we thought they were going to. So this is interesting to see that they aren't really putting it into stone, how many rate hikes they're going to have and how large the hikes will be. Yes, exactly. 0.25 or 0.5 is what we're pretty much looking at. They have not given an indicator on any of that. Four hikes, potentially, three hikes, potentially, and percentage hikes, unknown. All of that unknown. So we are reading into their words and hoping for the best here or the worst, depending on how the market reacts. And it did not like that information on Wednesday. And remember, last December, the Bank of England actually increased uh, interest rates for the first time in three years. So other um, mature economies, Western economies are already doing it. And they're Um, doing it for good reason. They saw the writing on the wall, whereas we ignored it. Um, So moving off of that, this week marked the one-year anniversary of the GameStop short squeeze, which was insane. It flooded the market with some serious fun. Uh, it really changed the game in terms, of, <laughs> in, ter- yeah. in terms of how hedge funds look at short selling, right? The, the short positions being taken now are a lot smaller than they used to be. And there are now people who are you know, part of larger organizations, hedge funds or financial institutions that are perusing Wall Street bets to find out what the hell's going on. So this is a lot of fun. And, and what this has done is it, it showed something the market has never seen before. The way retail investors, who we will talk about in a few minutes, can come together and form their own mini armies to combat what they consider to be the big guy. That was really the argument here. And, you know, with that being said, as there, we talked about meme stocks before, you know, to take something away from this one year anniversary, uh, it flooded the market with new retail investors. It changed the way short selling works with the hedge funds. And it also kind of changed the way that we look at company financials as it comes to value, because in some ways, depending on the sentiment, it's almost irrelevant, which is fun. It's, and and what, like, how different could the market be from one year ago today to when retail was flexing their new newly found muscles. I mean, quite a different perspective, right? Because they, they found their voice for the first time. They found their collective voice. They and did, they, but then I think they <clears throat> lost it. I think I think that in the degree. last couple of weeks or even the last couple of quarters, actually the short short sellers have been doing very, very well and doing much better. Um and Wall Street bets is at a crossroads and we'll, you know, we'll get into that right now. We will talk about that. That's actually going to be, I, I didn't think about talking about them in the next segment, but I think we should. I like that move a lot. Yeah. Have they lost their strength? Have they been unable to band together again? Or have they just not seen the opportunity to do it again? 
Uh, that's the mm. other thing because Ooh. short sellers are taking that chance away from them now. Now that they're looking for the the warning signs ahead of time, they're making the right moves to not put themselves in that position again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of the action. We don't know, uh, but we do know, and I agree with you. They've lost their strength in terms. They, they just can't seem to band behind something the way that they used to. So, will we see this again? I'm not so sure. Will we see many versions of this? Probably. All right. Well, I'm ready to dive into retail because I have some ammo there that we're gonna need to talk about. And so, is retail? No. Let's talk up? about let's talk about volatility first. Let's talk about. Let's talk about All the right, first well, part. Let's go back to some historicals right now. Before retail got so big recently, there's been the so, longstanding. Yeah, Drew uh, is our resident expert on volatility and inflation. Really, he knows more about it than I do and understands the concept better than me. So he brought to my attention the VIX index today. Mm-hmm. And so, Drew, explain the VIX index and kind of talk us through what you're seeing on it. So uh, for everyone out there, volatility index uh, essentially measures the um, it, it's, it's a, I don't know how it's exactly calculated, but it's a measure of how much uh, the equity and other markets tend to move um, on news. And basically, it's related to to beta in terms of a higher volatility index means greater market swings. And um, essentially when there's a lot of uncertainty and fear in the market, volatility tends to go up and spike. When there's a lot of money moved against things like rolling averages, 30, 50 day, hundred averages, when there's a big change on that volatility goes up. So if the market's moving in one way for a while, volatility will naturally go down over time. Uh, if it's been going up and then it suddenly sees a giant drop due to things like recessions or pandemics, that abrupt change in the flow of prices and uh, price per share and overall equity values, you see a big spike in, in VIX. And um, just to, just to kind of give you some historicals around that, um yeah let's talk, highest... talk talk to us about like the spikes that you've seen yeah. in the mix because right now we're seeing what could be considered a spike on the vix index so when have you seen spikes like this or large spikes and you know what does that what mean? To expect yeah so what does it mean for people like us i'm going to go back to the time i'm just going to look at the time between the largest uh last big spike which kind of represents almost a, an economic cycle to an extent of the housing crisis where we got, we had levels of uh, VIX at like 70, 80 um, that haven't been seen si- since. I mean, essentially we got up to 66, 70 when we had the giant kind of economic collapse around the pandemic. So these are the two kind of highs that you're looking at. Highs, anything above like 50 is considered sig- extremely significant, but that doesn't mean there hasn't been what I call foreshocks and aftershocks related to a VIX event, which is typically a black swan event, right? That happens to cause everyone just to kind of do an about face. So now the index typically corresponds to greater. So in general, stock markets tend to go up, right? So if you see a higher uh, jump in volatility, then you're seeing something that's against the natural flow of the of the stock market, which is a downward drop. And whenever you see a downward drop, it's a correlated to a typically correlated to a spike in volatility. Now that happened in the late 2000s. What we ended up seeing after that was a recovery in in markets over the course of a couple of years. Since during that recovery, there's been these what I call aftershocks, where the VIX tends to always go towards a mean of around 10 over time. And it got down to about 15 or 17 from an all uh, recent 20 year high or 30 right. year high of over 70. And then what I call an aftershock happens where it goes from like 16 to up to even 40 again. So it more than doubles. And that corresponds with another kind of 10 to 20% correction in the S&P 500. And that happened twice in the recovery from 2008, 2009 to getting into kind of a, a pretty stable period we saw after 2012 all the way to 2020, where the maximum fix got up to was, you know, in the upper 20s, which also corresponded to minor corrections. But the big corrections happened two and maybe four years after, three and a half, four years after the drop, initial VIX drop. 
Um, so after, then, the, after that big VIX drop in 08, you mean? After the big VIX drop in 08. And actually, that's where we are today is we're about two years after the last big VIX jump uh, in volatility in early 2020. And we're seeing big jumps now, although historically they're not that big, but they seem to us like to be pretty big because they're up in the upper 20s, which is about the highest we've gotten in that period between 2012 and 2020. Um, but at the same now, time, we saw little VIX spikes. Between, so the, the period that saw... This is little right the, now. The period that saw spikes, that like so between the biggest spikes, over 30 mm-hmm. years, the largest one was in 2008, where you really saw the VIX index shoot through the moon. We mm-hmm. all know why that happened. That was a crazy moment in investing um, and in the market where we saw a genuine crash. Uh, the next largest spike in the VIX index was 2020, which we all know is due to COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. Unforeseen instance that really turned the market upside down, at least for a short period of time, but was followed immediately by some really great growth for investors, especially on the retail end of things that we will talk about in the next probably four minutes. But um, just looking at the chart that Drew is showing me here, we have seen VIX index spikes like this through that quiet time between 2008 mm-hmm. and 2020. There was a couple larger spikes here in 11 and another one in 12. But from 12 to 20, there have been VIX spikes just like the one that we're seeing now peppered in there while the market continued its upward pattern. Small drops, then continuations. And all of those spikes look like they've corrected they're, they've regained all of their losses and neutralized after the spike within six to eight months. So with that being said, yeah, right now is a time of volatility. And right now, particularly, is more volatile than we've probably seen in a while. But if you look at what happened after 08, the pattern is looking like it's repeating itself, where the market gets completely destabilized in 08. There are a couple big spikes that follow that for up to about four years, where you'll see one big spike calm down another large spike and calm down about half or a third, the size of Mm -hmm. the large one in Mm -hmm. Mm 08. When that happens, the market tends to drop. But again, this is just us figuring things out. The market has been destabilized completely due to Mm -hmm. inflation, due to lack of economy, jobs being lost in droves, right? Because of the pandemic, figuring out with variants, with a lot of other aspects here that Mm -hmm. just we, we are having a hard time predicting and understanding. And now that we have some information on what to do, at least with the pandemic side of things, we're trying to rebuild our economy. And that involves an inflation percentage here that's a little bit too high to stomach, jobs that are still kind of coming back into the fold. The economy isn't there yet. So supply chain really causing a lot of issues, microchip shortages, shortages of basic goods. So what what we're really trying to say here is, you know, this is kind of like 08, where you're seeing the economy try to restabilize. And on the way to that, there's going to be some hiccups where we're going to have to look at a problem that arises and figure it out. Right now, our problem is, just like Drew said, supply chain issues, jobs issues, inflation issues. There's a lot of things right now that Although the economy is coming back into its own, we still have to sort through. And while we sort through that, it's considered volatile. This is not an earth-shattering moment here. The last three months is not something that we should all be running away from. This is part of the natural market cycle that follows a large volatility jump, just like the one we've seen in 08. So this is not the time to be freaking out. This is the time to be understanding that, yes, your instant returns aren't coming, but- Mm -mm. Be patient. Once this gets sorted out, which inevitably it will, we will be well on our way to that up into the right projection that we always like. One of the things I like to say, and I've heard a long time ago, makes perfect sense to me. When in doubt, zoom out. Look at these charts, not on the macro level, not on the micro level, but on the macro level. Right. Don't look at the last six months as a as the be all end all of your trading experience or how the market operates. Zoom out 30 years. When has this happened again? What can I expect when this happens next? This is exactly what we're trying to do for you. We're trying to analyze market moments like this and what you can do after them. And and I just want to give everyone a little pinch of hope uh, that whenever VIX actually goes really high, it typically represents a great time to invest. Absolutely. It really does. does. Every single time. What's the old Buffett saying? If you invested any time over 40 in any of these index, in any time that the VIX got that high, you'd see within two years a big improvement over your investment. Just no, what's the old Buffett saying, right? Just 
Oh, uh, uh, be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. That that statement has stood the test of time. When other people are running away, run towards it. Figure out why they're running away and mm-hmm. what, where there is crisis, there is opportunity. Right now, some people think that they're in a state of crisis. Realistically, we are not. We are actually in a pretty good spot as it pertains to getting your money back into the market. People are taking their money out of riskier assets, mm-hmm. yes, but if you are not going into risky assets, which those are always going to be a gamble to some effect, if you're going with stable assets, ones that have and will continue to stand the test of time, this will be a payout for you. Just take I your time and do Absolutely. It. Absolutely. We may be at a March 2020 right now when it comes to both crypto and- You mentioned that to me and I like that. Are we? Do you think we are? Do you I think, think we're, we're in there. an opportune moment for people that will look back on this time in, in history and go, wow, if I put my money there, uh, I think I could be up, what, four or five X. Right. I think if we see the, if we should continue to monitor VIX. If it goes up to 40 again and represents like an aftershock, I, I would put, I would put everything I have in my bank account into crypto or XBI Probably the index rather than an individual company, but I'd put that in there and be 90% sure that within a year or two, it would be a great investment. And I'm with you on that. I think this follows my train of thought here with like the fear and greed index as it pertains to crypto specifically. Um, When I see the fear index drop to like below 20 or even below 25, and it's showing extreme fear. My money is going straight into crypto because that's the opportunity. And last time we saw this, the market almost forexed. So, you know, within the year, within the year, I'm talking, it didn't take very long. I'm talking from June to October. So opportunity is there for those that have the information they need to make the right move. When the market starts to get crazy like this, don't run away from it run towards it, but not blindly run towards it with information that you can use to make a calculated investment that you think will be, will will pay out in the end, but just know that it's that payout might take time to materialize. And you may be looking at a little bit of money loss on the way there. Don't panic. Panic is what everyone else is doing. Not you. And it causes the market continue to turn down, but on that topic. All right. So now that we've kind of made we've painted the picture let's put the people in that photograph so Mm -hmm. what gamestop which we talked about earlier has done and what a lot of other things in the last two years have really done for them for investing is it's brought a lot of retail investors back into the market or or new ones that haven't never Mm -hmm. invested before into the market what do you think of that drew like well what do you how do you feel about that in general? Uh, don't be, you know, don't go too crazy on them. Be careful. These guys are, <laughs> guys are gentle, right? Uh, but, but like, how do you feel about the new influx of retail investors in general? We, we're all, we're, uh, we're all kind of in it together. So I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be um, too hard on, on our new friends here in the retail world. A lot of them are hurting. A lot of them don't understand why their portfolios are getting just brutalized right now. So I, I feel I, I feel like this is a lot of folks are going to drop off from kind of day trading and retail investing. We're already kind of seeing that with Robinhood. Robinhood stock took a, a big a big dump recently. Oh man, they got um, brutalized this week. That it, was a hard week. It was a hard week, and, and and part of that is because they're forecasting lower revenues based on lower monthly active users falling significantly from about. 19 million to about 13 million in the third quarter. And there's a lot of companies that kind of got this too. Like a lot of companies got this wave of new users or subscriptions or activity during COVID that just, it's not sustainable. And that's the problem with how Wall Street kind of operates is they want to look at historical information and estimate what you're worth. For example, Nordic Tracks iFit, that whole system was peaking in 2021. Now they're on the downward track. They haven't lost that many of their users, but it's just not showing the same growth that they had Mm -hmm. seen. Same thing with Robinhood. So we saw because of how things have played out, it leads us to believe that Robinhood in 2020 and 2021 saw a massive wave of new users, some of which are going to stay. Some of which are going to stay. It's going to form a new kind of uh, a new support. But the now the problem though with with what we're seeing with with retail is that the the, the gains that they saw in the beginning aren't it's just not sustainable for them and they're not getting the ROI and their time and research and basically a lot of them are just taking huge losses and just 
leaving the market, you know, and they're not going to be back anytime soon because of the, the, the fact that only hardened investors understand the market cycles and downturns. And, um, and so we're going to have a lot of attrition. They'll, it's going to actually be almost like a, um, a process that's going to get worse and worse because more people are going to leave those low, those greater losses are going <laughs> to encourage other people to leave. And that's what we're seeing is kind of like, like, this yeah, the, the fear building, the, the fear, fear growing, the fear has grown now within investors who haven't had much time in the space to really see what spending uh, a year or two or five or 10 investing can really return. That actually leads me to another topic, right? Is it dangerous to have this mentality of investing that we've seen play out since 2020 the and short term, that yeah, short term, instant gratification. Mm-hmm. I'm making money from the second I put it in mentality. Like, is that dangerous? Well, I think it, I think it's really bad for industries. I think it makes uh, businesses hard to predict how their future operations are going to be. I think it's bad for the industry to have investors in there at all that have a sub one year, Time frame in their mind because it, it's contributing to this volatility we're seeing with crypto, mm-hmm. with biotech, people with not any understanding on how biotech or crypto even works or operates, getting in there, looking for quick gains um, on the backdrop of everything else being more expensive. Car assets are being really expensive, are getting worse. They it's, it's interesting, right? It's a lot of uninformed investors moving our market down. around now. Yeah, it's it's just the lack of information, the lack That's of intelligence and research, right? They, and then they move money in, then they move money out based on how they feel that day, as opposed to looking at technicals, financials, patterns, any company information that's really relevant. You know, it's because of that rapid movement of money in and out, it can cause more good, more bad than good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why the volatility is going higher. So th- that's what's happening. I think the re- a good part of retail investors who did not have the right um, investment, investment, long-term sustainable investment thesis are just falling a, out. Just of investment market. fundamentals, just understanding how this works and what companies they want to invest in because of the right reasons, instead of because their uncle Joe told them to invest in XYZ mm-hmm. that day. And then all of a sudden they lost money, pulled everything back out. And it's just, it's just causing problems. And uh, we love retail investors. We are retail investors. We are not associated mm-hmm. with hedge funds. So mm-hmm. what information can you give to new retail investors to kind of break that cycle and, and stabilize this economy a little bit with the rest of us? So there are new retail investors that are hopefully going to be still coming in the market in 2022. I, I would even say like the first round of retail that came out and thought they could make a quick buck in March 2020 Many of them are already gone, I think, or, or they're kind of not looking at the market anymore. Wall Street bets just doesn't have the same organization as it had before. A lot of the trading ideas are now losing ideas because whole entire indexes are going down. Mm-hmm. Uh, meme stocks, I don't know. You tell me, Chris, how have meme stocks been going? Over I mean, last- meme stocks have been non-existent for the last six-ish months, right? So after that, GameStop pop. We tried, you know, not we, I mean, I was actually paying attention to it. I wasn't really investing actively in them, but we saw AMC pop up. We saw Bed Bath & Beyond pop up. We saw BlackBerry pop up. We saw a lot of things kind of pop up real quick, but not to the level of GameStop. So obviously the strength waned. Um, After that though, so what really is interesting about Wall Street bets is the focus got shifted there about a year ago. And it became a really big news and media circus around how retail investors are playing mm-hmm. with the market, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. After that moment, it all quieted down. We saw little things come up, like AMC was probably the second largest, uh, and it did make some moves. But this wave of new retail investors can be directly attributed to what happened a year ago. Uh, that everybody FOMO'd into this, right? They all started, mm-hmm. all opened up Wall Street uh, Robinhood accounts from reading on Wall Street bets or getting news from Wall Street bets, hoping they could find the next big one. And you know, now what are they doing, right? They're looking at their portfolios, they're looking at all this red, and they don't know what to do. You, if you want information on what to do, um, Drew has alluded to it, and I'm going to go right, very direct with this. Dive question. right into it. Do some research if you're gonna what? if you're gonna stay in this market. Read Wall Street Bets. There's some good stuff peppered in there. Don't get me wrong. Really funny to read. And I appreciate all that. And in there, you can find some gems. Mm -hmm. Don't chase meme stocks. 
chase company technicals and information that you are getting that is valid that is and fundamentals at this point and company fundamentals fundamentals are just as important as technicals at this point in my opinion do not continue to invest with emotion continue to invest with your brain use the information that is being presented to you as long as it's from a credible source not some guy on wall street bets who's posting rocket ship emojis which we all love rocket ship emojis <laughs> and diamond hands I, I, I love all of that honestly i get a kick out of it and if you do like the story of gamestop there's a really really great podcast on spotify uh from the wall street journal it's a four-part podcast it's incredibly fun to watch and uh, to listen to uh, about some individuals who got into gamestop did really well and you know what happened to them after the fact and and here's the thing the last episode of that podcast kind of covers where they are today. They all lost a significant amount of money from where, what they had at the top of the GameStop spree. Some still made money. Some actually lost quite a bit. Wow. Because of the lack of information. Yes, it was fun to be a part of. Yes, it was crazy. Yes, it disrupted the market and hedge funds lost their, lost their minds and Melvin Capital still hasn't recovered. But if you're going to be a part of this new wave of investors that, that sticks around, and we hope you do, honestly, it's not this is not us telling you that you don't know what you're doing. We hope you stay and and become a part of this market, but do it in a way that won't hurt you and do it in a way that involves information, not memes and not jokes and not Mm -hmm. information from your uncle and not, you know, it's, it's fun to be a part of the market when it's working. It's not fun to be a part of the market when it's this unpredictable and start Mm -hmm. to turn down at this rate. So if you do your due diligence, get the information that you need to make really well-informed investments you'll be better off in the long run. And we hope you stick around. Yeah. And, and it doesn't hurt to, to read some books, Benjamin Graham, Warren Buffett, Peter Lynch, all of these folks um, are big into value investing. And that is, is the V word has not been really said too much. I don't think. In it hasn't. Bets. But that's where like the long, if you look at the the most successful long-term investors, they all have value stocks in their portfolios. Look at balance sheets, like just go and research some SEC documents. That's where you're going to- Even dividend stocks, right? Like Look at dividend, look at, look at companies right now that have revenue, that have good brands, that have balance sheets that will take them into 2023, 2024. And, and you'll be good. You know, those companies are not going to go bankrupt, right? No, they're not. They've stood, they've stood here and watched bear markets hit them in the face and managed to come out of it and continue stronger to and be stronger. Actually, they've those actually going to be stronger. They pivoted their companies to move forward with the times, make them more valuable in those downward times to really make sure that this doesn't happen to them again, where they don't get hit as hard. And, be, and if you find the right ones, and here's the other thing, you don't have to pick companies, pick ETFs. You could, mm-hmm. pick, you could pick a grouping of stocks and lower your risk. And if you do that, you can enjoy investing even during these rough times. And you can stay because you're not losing your money hand over fist. That's really the take here is this is our plea to retail investors, essentially, that you know we like that you're here. You make it so much more fun to be a part of this market. But we want you to do it in a way that's intelligent instead of what's happening and what we've seen is hurting the market of mm-hmm. quick money in, quick money out, quick money in, quick money out. Company valuations are all over the place. Volatility is going up like crazy because people don't have any, any idea on what they truly want to invest their money in and what they truly stand behind. Once you get that kind of built up, then you'll be investing in a lot better ways than your peers and you'll be making a lot more money than your peers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. great great summary um all right so we're gonna do a little bit of crypto news here and i'm gonna just run that segment in 60 seconds or less so right now as of today uh bitcoin is currently oh you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna hit you with a breaking news story let's do this first breaking tom, news tom brady just retired from the nfl that's crazy 22 right. years of Tom Brady is over. Uh, this is wild. So for those of you that need to take a second, have a seat, breathe. He's gone. Moving on. Bitcoin 
kind of slumped a bit uh, over the last week. So did Ethereum, both of which over the seven days has recovered quite a bit. Bitcoin is currently sitting at $38,200, which is up in a 24-hour period of 2.47%, seven-day period of 9.1%. Remember, Bitcoin is the rising tide that lifts all ships. With Bitcoin's upward mobility comes the rest of the market. That includes Ethereum, the silver standard in crypto, currently sitting at $2,617, up 5.9% in the last 24 hours and up 9% over the last seven days, both of which are doing really well. There's a few big winners in here. Um, We saw Avalanche coin pop up 22% in the last seven days and crypto.com, who's making a lot of big moves for user acquisition. They actually have their own stadium now. Uh, It was up almost 30% in the last seven days. So what what is that crypto? What crypto.com? Is that a, um... it's a coin as well as a company. So there's still some really good gainers in here. Uh, Bitcoin is one of those systems that we're going to be we're going to continue to monitor and report on week over week in and week out. Um, it seems to be finding its footing. Uh, it seems to be trying to hold its floor. It hasn't dipped back to the June July lows of last year of around twenty nine thousand. It held its ground this year so far at around thirty three thousand. But we'll we'll keep tabs on that as time goes on to see if it can rally. Uh, the other thing that I've noted is that there are more. Uh, wallets, more than 1 million wallets now holding Ethereum, at least uh, a percentage of Ethereum, which is the mm-hmm. highest active number of wallets that are hold, that's holding Ethereum, which is a bullish signal. So, which is interesting because it's at, uh, it's, it's playing in the mid 2000s right now. Yeah. And, and we saw, we saw Bitcoin kind of hit its death cross and Ethereum followed very shortly after. Uh, they're still holding just over that death cross line where the 52-week average and the last 30-day average are kind of meeting now uh, in a very poor way. So expect movement in a very volatile way, which we're all very used to right now, either upwards or downwards and watch for trends. The fear and greed index, by the way, on crypto is currently sitting at 23. Very, very fearful. Extreme fear is what it's classified as. Mm. Remember what we talked about earlier. When people are fearful, make your moves. This is a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I truly, this is a belief. This is not financial advice. I believe we, <laughs> might, we might have found- It's a prayer. It's a wing and a prayer. Well, I think, but... we, found, I think we found Bitcoin's floor this week. Um, I don't think we're going to be retesting that floor below 35,000 soon. So make your move appropriately, but just know that. Uh, Drew, handle the outro. What are we doing this week? All right, so we are looking at a week that starts on the January and ends in February. Um, it is going to be a interesting week. I don't want to be too hopeful, but Friday actually was the best day in a while for at least my portfolio. So I really yeah, the last hope- hour of Friday. Yeah, it was a really interesting sign. What a wild ride that was from. 2.30 p.m. Eastern time to four. Insane how that all just popped up. Apple, Apple was such a winner. Did you see what happened? Yeah, it just crushed earnings, even with supply chain issues. Apple what a wild sh- day for Apple. Shows shows what it's like to, to, to still be a strong tech company. Apple put the NASDAQ on its back and kept things going. It's, it's crazy. So again, some companies are going to continue to prosper even during a bear market. But what do you see coming for the week, Drew? You're, you're saying that you're optimistic, but carefully so. So looking at the economic calendar next week, we have Chicago uh, Manufacturing Index coming out right away. Um, we also have additional manufacturing readouts on Tuesday that are going to show some potential impacts from Omicron. That, that's, been the, um, that's been the message from Walt, the White House is that we're going to start seeing some potentially uh, downturns in some of the economic measurements short term just because of the impact of Omicron in December. So expect to see some not so good economic readings, but it's really the look forward that we want to be excited about. And then we have an Omicron Omicron rates are dropping pretty significantly. So that's a good sign in terms of like the health and uh, well-being across the country. But um, we're not so sure that plays into health and well-being across the market. Yeah. So it's about, I mean, we haven't really seen uh, any sort of positive impact from Omicron uh, kind of receding in the U.S. yet in the markets. I think it's been going down for about a week or so in general, but the market still didn't care too much about that. The impact is there from folks still having to quarantine, still having to call out of work. 
there's a backdrop of really just just later labor shortages in general that are being exacerbated. This is not good at all for inflation because supply has been supply and demand have been pretty much working the opposite directions to really fuel inf- inflation. So demand's still high. I think it's a lot lower. Um, I, think, I think Omicron is playing a little bit less into our economic market than it, than it, than like Delta, for example. But, mm-hmm. um, cause we're not seeing the movement right now. I think the thing that's really holding us to this market valuation, the numbers that we're seeing is inflation. Which is driven by supply chain issues mainly. Yeah. So I, I mean, think the demand is subsiding now. Yeah, until that gets more stable, I think, you know, we're still looking at a very tumultuous time. It'll work itself out. I mean, we'll, we'll see like in some of the like consumer demand in uh, metrics that like demand's going to be falling soon. In, I mean, inflation's working that out itself. Like folks are not starting to look at things like housing prices and mm-hmm. car prices and saying, uh, I'm not paying this. You know? I think I think the the pain has already been felt in the market, and we're trying to adjust ourselves accordingly in ways that make sense. And while we do that, demand will drop because you just realize that you can't afford these things, and then you move away from them. You start to idealize other things. And uh, yeah, and I, so so the question now becomes, Drew. I want to know this. This is something I do want to know really badly. In your from your gut feeling, and I have my own opinion here. Do we end February higher than where we started? I think we, I think we might see some more volatility happen in February, early February, but I think at the end of February, things, we're going to get some really bad readings year over year, for sure. We're going to get some really bad readings. Inflation is going to keep going up higher year over year, just because uh, of where we Have we built that into the market already? Yeah, I, I, I kind of hope so. Um, we're at maximum employment. I just don't see demand being that much greater. I see uh, coronavirus being less of an issue going forward, hopefully forever at this point, as pretty much. Man, I hope so too. I'm so burnt out from this thing. So many people have gotten it like over the last month. Um, I'm so burnt out over it. I'm not going to lie. I hate the sugar coat and I hate to be that guy that's like, ah, I'm done with this, but I am. I'm done with it. Media burnout the whole way. Anyway, um, so I yes. think, I think we built in all the negativity already in the, in January, we really, we really hit January hard. Um, and I think February and, and, and starts to like, fix it. December was bad. November was bad. Really bad. Like, really bad. Like, Historically bad. Like this is the worst January on record. I think in many years, like, I don't know if what year, uh, in the last 15 years that had a worse January than this. It was a perfect um, storm of awful that really hit us at that at around mid-November and has kept going uh, for what looks to be almost three months. So with that being said, I actually feel optimistic for February. I feel like we're starting uh, once one of these pieces falls away, right? Omicron falling away. It gives us more resources. Ukraine falling away. Well, Ukraine's going to fall into Russia's hands if we don't do yeah, something about Ukraine's it. Ukraine's falling away into Russia. Oh, so that's, that's a... Good. That's a new issue that is sitting on the wayside until we figure other things out. Unfortunately, uh, we have the Olympics, actually, which would be cool, which will actually, I think, cause a lot of problems for China, to tell you the truth. It's going to expose China's issues uh, because right now we haven't been able to get much insight into what's going on over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could purpose. be a big X factor. Yeah, they've been very well shielded um, in terms of media and information dis- uh, dissemination to the rest of the world. This might give us the the binoculars into China for the first time in a while to really understand what's happening there. And that could be problematic for them. Yes, I think that um, that that there could be a big uh, outbreak in China in February, which may affect global trade to an extent. The Russia thing is something to look at. Yeah, we're starting to do some weird things with Russia, too, in terms of mm-hmm. like cutting off their supply of certain certain, um, you know, technology or certain necessary means to advance their military. Uh, that's going to be a really interesting play and see how that kind of works out. Yeah. So we could still actually see some significant volatility that could really end uh, uh, February in the green or in the red at this point. But I don't think it'll be as uh, a drop like we saw in January. I really doubt. So you're saying February red. That. 
I'm seeing I'm saying February red, but maybe light red. red. Like light a pink. red. Light like red. A, like a pink. Like a pink. Yeah. Like a pink. I'm looking at like a like what's red and green mixed together? It's uh, baby purple? Poop. Like, like a purple color, like a baby poop color, um, <laughs> like like light diarrhea. So like <laughs> like where there's like a hint of green. So you're like, oh, a little bit of green in there. That's what I think February is going to end at. It's going to some, go- some green, some light green specs. It's going to start not good and it's going to end better than it started. And I think at the end of the month, we wash out the losses and end with a very nice little game. Assuming no other crazy stuff happens. Yeah, like seriously, don't throw more crap at us, God or whatever deity you believe in. Like, (laughs) we can only take so much. Well, on that note, I think uh, this is us praying for the investment gods. By the way, we are now praying on behalf of all of you for the gods to be merciful. (laughs) And thank you to all of our retail uh, investors out there putting money in the market now. You guys are what we all aspire to be folks that have money to put in the market when the market needs you the most. So keep doing it. Keep supporting the floor here and all of our favorite indexes. I love what you're doing. And I think we're going to see some great gains by the, by the end of the year. Yeah. Um, I like that sentiment, Drew. Like stay with us. Honestly, don't run away from this. Stay with us. We want to enjoy this with you. We want to watch you guys make tons of money, but we want you guys to do it in a way that doesn't expose you to a full on yard sale of your financials. So like just do it in a way that makes sense. And we will help you kind of help guide you a little bit or give you our opinion um, as you work on how to do that. And it's not just about you making money. I mean, you're helping companies right now navigate through very difficult external environments. And so any funding that you provide through investment is going to those companies. They can raise more money. They can have longer runways. They can continue to provide the goods and services that you know and love. So it's really good for the economy to invest in American companies. Stay with us. We really like you can, this is your way of backing the stuff that you like, right? Backing the companies that are doing the right thing. You have that ability to do that with investing. You give them your money. You give them value. You give them value and you give us our economy strength. Um, On that note, Drew, I'm going to let you do the sign off this week. Thanks, Chris. This is Drew and Chris. Yeah, with Chris Abarad, yep. Abarad coming straight at you, challenging trades. Uh, thanks again for a nice week here. Happy to be back. Uh, out of Hawaii was great, but we have a lot of work to do here. So really appreciate you listening. Again, we are not financial advisors. We do not advise people on their uh, on their next moves. We may mention stocks, individual tickers. We do we do have some ownership in these tickers, but we are a news and entertainment site. So don't forget that. And don't forget to don't forget uh, the subscribe don't, button. Don't if you like what shovel. we're saying, if you like what we're saying, hit the subscribe button. I you know I haven't I haven't done that plug yet, and I'm gonna do it. Hit the yeah. if you hit like what, like us on Facebook. If you like what you hear, add us to hit that button. Right, let the algorithm robots know in Spotify or Google mm-hmm. Podcasts mm-hmm. or wherever that you like what you're hearing, and other people might like it too. Absolutely. Thanks again. We really appreciate you. Couldn't do this without you. All right. All right. Another week in the books. We'll We'll see see what we want to talk about, but it might be about China. It might not be. We'll see. We really have to tackle that topic. We probably will get to that. Let's see how that works out, especially Uh, with the Olympics starting. I think on Friday is the opening ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe we will. All right. So tune in folks. We'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.